<laughs> Come on, lads. We've, we've, we've done our best to try and, and prolong this. We really have. We've spent I, I, an hour. I, I, I strongly disagree with that. I can do much better. You sure? <laughs> <laughs> so, on, on this, like, perhaps, on. The, the lowest Put energy Let it go down. <laughs> the lowest energy intro you'll ever get to this Liquid Football podcast. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, oh, you're recording. Friend. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, he's, done, he's done that uh, modern uh, podcast thing where he just flips the recording mid sentence. It's very cool. It's very hip. It's very It's very hip, actually. Um. We're on trend. <laughs> yes. He is on fleek with his pot key. And- Oh yeah, man! Like, like Ellis James did it. Right. Therefore, like it means that we have to do it now too. It's just, it's just, it's just how it goes. Um, so, anyway, um, always does it. Always comments on it. I'm like, ugh. And as we all know, he is the hippest of all podcasts. So uh, clearly, we're we're living in that He's man's shadow. Much so, yeah. Indeed. Um, but yeah, um, welcome back to the show. <laughs> There's not Ooh. much to say really, um, except for the three words: football is dead. Um, football has, is fucked it football is dead, is dead. Um, so um, last time um, out actually myself, this is going to be we're going to get like sued for copyright because two girls talk balls um, <laughs> have like a sound bite which they end their or they either end their podcast with or finish their podcast with which is and football is dead boys get over it <laughs> but don't no, they deliver it with like a really don't they deliver it in like a really thick brummy accent so nobody can understand? Oh, don't say brummy. Oh. <laughs> that was the wrong answer. It's Yorkshire, I right know. It's Yorkshire, I know. It's Yorkshire. <laughs> don't don't sue us. And um, but yes, so like from the from the last time that we like as it were sat down to talk about this, myself and Neil did a delightfully like a surprisingly journalistic breakdown of the European Super League and how like um how terrible it is. And now we've had we've had time exactly. for us to settle and uh normal like service and football has tried to continue on. Um I don't know we've why to dispense with the journalistic part and just go straight <laughs> with the breakdown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've just had a breakdown. Fuck this. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. yeah. So in the time that we've uh, in the time that we've we we've sat down to do these shows um, we now know what the uh, finals are for all the European competitions, and not all of them are good um, because we have no emotional investment in them. Uh, Manchester City are about like you know a technicality away from winning the Premier League. Um, by the time this gets out, like most people would be relegated. So literally, ultimately, like everything is done, bar the actual fighting. Yeah, and then the did, fighting like, actually to paraphrase two girls talk balls. Men's football is dead. We also we have a very very exciting Champions League final in the women's. Yes. And the FAWSL is going down to the last game week it in is, both yeah. the title fight and the relegation battle. Mm-hmm. Because Where Birmingham got their points deduction, didn't they? Uh, to be confirmed. Yes. Mm. So that there's four teams battling to stay up at the minute. And two battling it out for top spot in the top of the league. So Chelsea could be potential triple or quadruple winners. The first time that's season. happened, wouldn't it, in England? If, if Chelsea were to win, like, basically like the men's and women's Champions League that's, finals. Oh, oh men and women's. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I was, I was talking about, line. like, fine line yeah. there. Winning the quadruple it, is not for everybody. But then again... <laughs> We don't, we don't get called slags when we say it. 
Uh, oh, just a, just a little point there. Um, the Leicester Newcastle game is on right now, and Newcastle are beating Leicester 2 0. 2 0. With goals from Paul Dummett and Joe Willock. Joe Willock, I fucking knew it. Yeah. That is going to come up, I suppose, in the conversation that, or, or the you know word vomit that we're going to have about Arsenal. But like we, so like not sold. We put sent out on loan a mm. player who scored more goals from midf- midfield than our entire midfield have scored this season. Well, in all fairness, if he, as long as he scored one, he's got that done. He, I mean, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't have to do what he's done today, which is score five in four games. <laughs> yeah. that's, just, that's just that's just rubbing it in like you know yeah. like it's, that's, that's just two, two of them being like deciding match winners yes you know? like effectively <laughs> saving them from relegation yeah no that's it like even St- Steve Bruce is literally like he's the only thing he's uh, short of doing is like going on Tinder <laughs> and putting up a profile going desperately seeking Joe Willock because he's just <laughs> he's going full charm offensive in the press yeah. going, I want him. I want to build my team around him. We need him. Please give him to me. I'll, <laughs> I'll be your friend. I've got, Mike Ashley, I've got Mike Ashley's phone number. Not that it means anything, but fuck it. You know, come on. It's at least a number. It belongs to him. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Ashley, who just came out and did a review interview saying that dark forces are what are preventing Newcastle from reaching their potential. <laughs> people are like yeah every time you it's like, <laughs> open your mouth you? the cloud is emitted I wasn't yeah, aware that Emperor Palpatine pork pie fucking shavings yeah. of rain out of his mouth quite literal awful um, from his mouth <laughs> yeah but uh, no uh, Newcastle right now are tonking Leicester there you go there you go the, the title race is still wide open folks get them while it's hot um, so. you said in the last podcast we were, like, we were one game away from literally four weeks of dead rubbers yes and we still haven't got that game still like we just saw that game like it, it's, it's totally done like we're, we're fucked I love it <laughs> but yeah like it's it, it, the curious thing is that because um, obviously I, again if you've been living under a rock you may have missed this but um, as, from the, the one of the uh, side effects of the Super League has been uh, the uh, fans finding their voice and deciding to, to kick off as it were uh, and nothing really says kicking off like storming your own home stadium and forming a protest um, and that's exactly what the Man United fans did before their uh, what would have been a quite rather important game against Liverpool because if Man United didn't win that game, Man City would have been crowned champions. And clearly, it's still a title race going on. There's only 11 points in it, lads. So, you know, it's all to play for. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, fucking game. Um, play it to the bone, man. Play it to the bone. It's like boxing, you know, where one win at the end, they'll win the whole thing, no matter how many points you've had. Yeah, next ball ahead. wins, lads. That's how it works. Next ball wins. Please, <laughs> let it be next ball wins. <laughs> for the love of fucking God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, so, right at the end of the league, they'll just go, right, lads, next to three wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, or um, do what the FA want to do with the FA Women's um, Cup and uh, you know draw lots. Why not? What's the problem? I don't. I don't see the issues. Oh, why not do what the what the uh, GAA tried to do with the women's camogie thing and flip a coin? Yeah. And decide which team would, uh, would go through to an intercounty final. I actually, literally did that. It was like we can't yeah. reschedule this game. Let's flip a coin and whoever wins the coin toss plays Kilkenny. And you're like, I. 
you actually serious? You serious? You serious? You fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking serious? You're the head of this organization. <laughs> you were suggesting to decide a match with a fucking guy does. What? What did the rock paper scissors? Like fuck off. <laughs> yeah, rock paper oh, scissors. Man. Yeah. But so, all we're saying is that oh my god, hold, you could have um slither hurley helmet. Helmet, yeah. <laughs> No, because all the hurlers, all the hurlers and Komogi players be like, Hel- what the fuck's a helmet? <laughs> <laughs> Is that ours? What, what's that mean? <laughs> Half them. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, so um, all we're saying is that there's ideas out there that more forward-thinking minds are trying. That's, yeah, that's one way of putting it. Um, but other, yeah. <laughs> other than making Manchester United play four games in a week. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> That's just funny, um, but uh, but nevertheless, like let's 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 get into it. So, like obviously, Bert, while you weren't here last week to uh, to eviscerate the Super League along with us, uh, I suppose yeah. it's fair to, to start with you. No, what was I your was at, <laughs> um, I think it was covered quite well that it was catastrophic, apocalyptic for the game. Um, uh, I remember actually you brought it up as a cod. Um, like months ago when mm. it was kind of just un- it, like just creeping into the ether and i was that's like good. that that's is right. so ridiculous mm. that's never gonna happen jonathan what the fuck are you smoking and i was just like oh <laughs> yeah. right. i'm gonna skip this episode <laughs> um, yeah no it, i was kind of in a deep pit of despair um with that whole thing like it did i know a lot of the podcasts that i do listen to kind of echoed my feelings of not sure why it affected me so much but it really just made me so disappointed in the club and mm-hmm. even though i know the majority of fans didn't want it it just um and it's highlighted, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, like the growing disconnect between the owners of clubs and um, the fans of the clubs and the actual clubs themselves. And um, we, I know, I don't like, it wasn't even podcasty era when myself and Neil were having like forlorn discussions when Cronky actually bought the club and we were and like, oh, yeah. like, like when Uzmanoff and stuff like were you know, on the board and, and he had Sir Chips and it was all like people who were looking after the club and it was starting to slip away, slip away. And then Cronky comes in, the fucking elephant shooter man. And I was like, God, this is not going to end well. And mm. um, we're seeing that with fan protests this week at the matches. Um, and I feel like, and I, I know this, I'm probably in the minority here, that us crashing out of the Europa League is actually us taking a stand against Ronke. I think that's <laughs> the players saying, no, we disagree with this whole thing that you're doing, so we're going to play shit. Absolutely. I also think I want to give a second prong to that fork because I've seen the terms that the clubs who went in for the Super League had to agree to. And I think mm-hmm. it's us getting out ahead of that particular bus because one of the punishments is forfeiting 5% of your European revenues. I was like, I did your enough, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> 5% yeah, that, is that, that, oh, that, that's you until 2024. So you're going to be out of Europe for four years. <laughs> you're going to play Trump and just like, just pretend nothing happened for four years. Then suddenly, return to the Mac. Here we, here we go, lads. <laughs> is it for four years? Again? 
Yeah, it's, and it's a like five percent dividend off that until the twenty three twenty four season. That's uh, all that's right. The article it. I'm reading doesn't say that. Oh, yeah, no, I think it was um, <laughs> it was RMC or something like that saying it. So because apparently the way they're working it is like as the kind of like compensation essentially, like all the all the clubs in it are agreeing to pay about fifteen million each to UEFA yeah. and the governing bodies and you oh, no, that, that was go, I think that the 15 million is go to like use in grassroots football that's it yeah that's yeah. it it's going straight down to the bottom of the pile yeah um, and, uh, I, I think that's a good way of doing it because grassroots football uh, and I would hope some of that goes to the women's game as well mm. got decimated by COVID and um, definitely need the support there to try and build it back up and put the um, to make sure it survives basically. So I think that's a good use of um, the fines and yeah. um, although yeah. they've they've put in some uh, punitive measures should this ever happen again. So they've closed the fucking door on a super, super league. <laughs> good. So in, future, so in the future, the fine wouldn't be fifteen million and five percent of uh, European revenues. It would be one hundred million. Yeah, euros. <laughs> Um, yeah. and That's now all future all future briefs uh, breaches of UEFA statutes would all result in a fifty million euro fine. And uh, yeah, that that that'll teach them um, for those one percenters and those state sponsored clubs. Fifty yeah, million, yeah, fifty fifty million to a a, a multi billionaire. Yeah, lads, we literally like spent that money on Timo Werner. Like literally, we could do that again. That's easy. <laughs> You know, but but in any case, like again, I suppose like from the as you mentioned about the fan protest about Man United, obviously we this is our kind of first opportunity to properly talk about it. Um, <laughs> uh, in that way, well, in that way, so we kind of we've we know what it's, what consequences it's caused. Um, but I'd like to hear what you guys think about the protest overall. Like, what, what I was your it. thoughts on I thought it? it was brilliant, and not just for like the pure car crash TV that was. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> for it was um, that. But it, it was, I just thought it was just wonderful. Like, it was great. Got- no, no, I know there was a one police officer got hurt. Slashed, yeah. He got slashed across like, the face, yeah. Look, I, you know, I don't really condone that. But the destruction of property, like people stealing corner flags and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm all for that. That petty oh, shit. And also, like, destruction of property. It's Old Trafford. It's practically falling down anyway. <laughs> you know, Mm. That's like that's like trying to like sue somebody after your house is burned down for coming coming around and pissing on the rubble. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> what do you like the blazer, the kip? You know, I mean, I'd say the biggest the biggest amount of damage, the big most expensive thing that was done was probably nicking all of the footballs that were left out for the warm ups <laughs> because like they're the the Nike strike balls, like yeah. they they, are, they go for like one hundred and forty quid a pop. Yeah, like and they nicked like about five or six of them. So I'm like, that's that's the biggest outlay there. It, it was a <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, cost they were literally bringing football back to the people. That's what they were doing. Literally, quite literally, the people brought it, just came and took it along with the corner flags, um, uh, along with numerous TikToks showing a guy doing a line of speed <laughs> off of the corner flag. Are <laughs> uh, <laughs> you sure that was brave from the referee? Like. <laughs> No, no, no. He wasn't in the stadium. He was outside of it. Uh, and he, he stuck a, a spoke flare in one end and held up the other one and just <laughs> did a line right off of it. I was like, go on, my son. That, 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 that's fan culture, isn't it? But um, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, it was such a... We don't want to condone drug taking on this channel, but 
if you are going to take it, do it in a cool way like that. Do it off a corner flag you've just nicked after storming Old Trafford. Yes, that love that like I mean that's something to tell the grandkids, isn't it? Like if you ever do have grandkids, <laughs> um, TikTok famous. That's it. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was a, such a strange fucking day, wasn't it? Like um, because like the because I remember at the time like I was watching the uh the the Portuguese Grand Prix at the time, and watching that and then like, watching that fizzle out and then going to switch over to see what's going on with the match, knowing that obviously it's going to get postponed, and. It was just a case of like I just I like it just actually it just occurred to me like about six o'clock when it did officially get like called off. But I just spent my entire after what afternoon watching sport where nothing happened. Like there was nothing happening in the race. There was nothing happening in the <laughs> in the football. Literally, I I spent five hours watching nothing, and I don't know how to think about that. But um, <laughs> but, you know, obviously I've been put out here. I'm offended by not being entertained. <laughs> so well done, fans. I hope you're happy. You know, but uh, yeah, no, obviously, I think the message is very sound. I think, uh, given any other circumstance, I think Liverpool fans will have done the same. I think Chelsea fans have done the same already. Arsenal fans have done the same as well. Like, it's it, it's nice to see everyone, like, trying to, like, bring the message across to these, like, like billionaires who are just so detached from everything in the world. Um, Except for we- the people mm-hmm. who are hired to talk about football. Yes. <laughs> they ain't. They, uh, like, they've been exposed quite well in all of this as well, I must say. They've been like heavily exposed in all this. In particular, I think it's your COD. It is my COD, yes. Sunni. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's just a season, I suppose. Yeah, so again, one of the, one of the pinnacles of the broadcast was um, them going off script because they didn't have one. And didn't have a runner <laughs> been able to like sprint up and down to the gantry to give like Neville and Carragher notes. So you were just spitballing essentially for four hours. And again, I've missed I missed half of this now at this point. But even like timeline wise, everyone's just going like Sunes, fuck me. And just like, it is it is a case like old men yells at cloud, but it's also <laughs> old men yells at what he used to be. Is was the kind of key yeah, thing. It's old man yells at cloud having completely forgotten what a cloud is and he's yeah. actually screaming at a cat on a wall and the cat <laughs> and the cat is indifferent and the cat is called <laughs> yeah i get that the cat is very much different because it ex- as soon as his rant exposed just how clueless he actually really is about football like yeah. we've we've grown up watching football uh played it to a, a certain degree to varying levels ourselves um, so like, like I would not even consider myself an expert despite the fact that it's literally something I'm probably going to be doing for the rest of my entire life watching yeah. playing football for as long as I am able and yet to see people who are paid to do it and who've done it to such an elite level have no fucking clue like Sunus's talk about the fucking Manchester United thing like was just hilarious it's just like Oh, well, the owners are, you know, they're entitled to, you know, they've put in collateral to buy the club. And I was like, it's a fucking leverage buyout, you fucking yeah. asshole. The collateral they put into the club was their shares in the club. Mm. <laughs> they've leveraged the club against the, the, the club's own earnings against yeah. their loan to buy it out. That's why they gave fucking Woodward the job, because he was the only banker in that could make the numbers work for J.T. Yeah. Morgan. Like, that's why, no bank would touch their fucking leverage buyout. No bank went near it. Nobody went near it. 
you know, and it was it was so bad. Like at the beginning, their payment in clients had like interest rates of fifteen and a half percent. The first two years, they serviced more than a hundred million pounds of interest alone, mm. just interest. <laughs> so like, no, of course they didn't. And they're just continuously kicking the can, refinancing all these huge loans. And it's just like, and he's just saying, oh, well, they've put in collateral and they're entitled to do this. And, you know, they, they make a load of money and they put a load of money into the club. I was like, no, they don't put money into the club. They no. allow the club to spend the money that it generates on the club. They're just like, it's not like, here is some money out of my wallet. Go buy uh, Edison Go Cavani. buy yourself a Star Wars. <laughs> Go buy yourself a Star Wars. Go buy yourself a fucking lollipop. No. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to allow you to take money out of your own pocket and go buy that lollipop yeah. rather than doing what I normally do, which is take the money <laughs> and go roll around in it, Scrooge it's like, style. It's like, yeah, you take that money and buy yourself a lollipop while I take one from this child over here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of the Fraggy Boyle uh, joke about bankers going into teaching. Can you imagine a banker trying to teach kids math? I have no apples. You have 10 apples. Give me all the apples. Now I will retire on a pension of five million apples. It's mad though because, as, as I said, like it, it was, and it wasn't the soonest out of it either, by the way. I think a lot of them just overall just completely out of touch with what was going on. Because again, like I think a lot of them had to kind of toe the skyline a bit because of like the very candid talks that Neville and Carragher were having. But again, they're in a very privileged position as well. They've lived and breathed their clubs to a certain degree where they kind of believe their own uh, hubris in a certain, in a certain sense. A, a few people turned on Carragher during the conversation, but I think he was actually quite like on quite mellow about it. It was like Sunez just not getting the point of the anger. Like he, 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 came up, he came up with a line, and the reason I have him as a cut today, this week is that his, I, his perception, uh, well, it's actually it's two things, but the first one was the perception that the Man United fans were angry and the reason they were storming Old Trafford was because they haven't won anything for a certain amount of time and the team <laughs> are not in a, in, in a right way as they are. Well, hang on. You've just reached a European final. You were uh, quarterfinals in the National Cup. You were quarterfinals, semifinals in the other National Cup. You're second in the league and with a team that like really are not the second best team in England, even though there isn't really a second best team in England at the moment because everyone's so bad. And... Um, but even then, like you, 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 and you have a manager there who was essentially like uh, a very nice man, but he's not like one of the top coaches in in Europe, and nor does he need to be for that for the job he's doing there. So he thinks that they're storming the ground because of that, and not because of the whole trying to steal football away from the people, working class background that Manchester United had initially, and the fact that like oh they're only flaring up about it now. Really, because apparently, like back in two thousand and five, when they bought the club initially, everyone was fine about it. There was, there was yeah. actually no problems with it whatsoever. They absolutely did not. The fans absolutely did not make their own football club out of spite because of the Glazers. <laughs> absolutely did not do that. It was pure coincidence, pure fucking coincidence, lad. Don't even look at them. Don't even look at them. That, the that whole green and yellow movement is just because they're colorblind. Yeah, that's absolutely. it. Yeah, no, they, they all became Norse fans for like a week, and then Delia Smith yeah. like pushed them out. That's it. That's all that happened. And they already had the scarves just lying around, so they just were like, "Oh, we may as well." Yeah, red, so, red like, and black is so last year. So oh man, like Jesus Christ, bring back the grey shirts. Am I right, guys? But, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, like, uh, like 
you, you can't be tribal about it either. It's like, like these are fans that are genuinely angry at the club being taken away from them. And again, every other club would be in the same position here. And um, some clubs have been very diplomatic about it, and some have been fairly like ignorant about it as well. And um, I don't know what Spurs are doing because apparently I think Spurs are just going like, yeah, we'll we'll get we'll see ourselves out. All right, sorry lads, you know, but. But in the case of Man United and Liverpool, we mentioned this last week as well, it's particularly egregious for them to be in it because of their origins and because of their backgrounds. And it is just because of recent history that these uh, American owners think they can get in, get into like a super secret club. When, like, let's face it, even in the time of Sir Alex, they were never that type of club anyway. You know, they were always, they built their own, they made their own people, they made their own stars, like Class 92, Cantona, all this sort of shit, and Liverpool the same way. So now to try and, like, make your own enclosed group is is so, such a betrayal of the of the club themselves. And again, much of your point, Neil, for someone who has been in football for so long, and let's face it, like, making a career out of tribalism, like, Liverpool captain for a long time with all the rivalries they're in, with Everton and Man United, then the Rangers manager, and being in the old firm, then the Galatasaray manager, and planting a flag at Fenerbahce's home ground, and he doesn't know about tribalism. He doesn't know about fans. He's kicking off about a fan throwing a bottle, and someone nearly could have got killed. It's like, right? So how about the no, right you incited can. back in Istanbul? So he was afraid somebody might have killed him with a beer can. It's like, fuck <laughs> off, man. What you like a bottle or a bottle? You're like, all right, I'm fine. You know, like smashes you've got shards of glass and stuff like that you're not gonna die but like you don't want it but a beer can like yeah (laughs) but but to me it actually it really showed on that day that like sky really do not have a leg to stand on when it comes to coverage of this and i and i think that's it's very convenient why they had the blackout on that weekend because i don't know what else you could want to say at that point they were obviously caught in the huff and they just said like literally like at the time we were going well waiting for announcement Let's talk about who Man United should sign this year. And it's like, okay, I can see this on YouTube. I don't care what you think. Um, but when I when I compared like the coverage of that to say, and again, we, we mentioned him a lot on this show and for very good reason, uh, Brian Kerr. Like when you compare what he says, and that's because, and crucially, he has editorial freedom, but also crucially, he knows what he's talking about. The man has lived and breathed football for a long time. And crucially, he supports it on a grassroots level. He sees it as a sport. He's never seen it as a business, which, and, and that's one very big reason why the FAA don't like him because all they see is business because they're all pricks. Um, and in a way, like, and you can kind of also kind of see why Brian Kerr never really got a gig in England because he's never been at that mindset. He's always seen it as a sport and, he, yeah. and, he, and he's so passionate about it, which is beautiful. Um, but when he talks about it and you, and you hear what he's saying about it and actually articulating the anger of the fans, you know, because again, on the on the version coverage, like um, the presenter whose name temporarily escapes me, um, Tommy Doyle, I think it is, and he was very candid, just like asking the honest, the simple question, like why are the fans angry, and letting Brian talk, like that, and that that's not even analysis. That's just like telling you why these people are angry because he comes from the same background as a lot of these fans. He knows what it would be like to have a club stolen from you by people who just see it as an asset, and. The fact that like I presume he, like it's because he's seen the FAI go that way as well. Absolutely, yeah. And in a weird way, I, I'm and in a weird way, he's probably so happy the League of Ireland has not been that yet. But I'm sure, like, if you ask him what he thinks of Dundalk, he'll probably like get a voodoo doll out and start poking fucking like needles into it. But the <laughs> the thing about it is that like it shows you how shallow 
the actual punditry and the analysis is from Sky and BT. They're not exempt from this either, by the way. But having these people on who have lived the professional game in England, the likes of your, your, your uh, Micka Richards and, and Owens and all that, all very likable people. But when it comes to something really serious like this, really in-depth, they don't know what they're on about. Uh, and I, I will just throw that back and just say, like, as a player, you're not necessarily involved in the ins and outs of the clubs and the business dealings beyond the clubs. What they mm-hmm. should have is someone who is has the punditry um, charisma, I suppose, of an ex-player, but who's been through the whole um, managerial side or the kind of background stuff. Like, um, uh, I'm going to throw any Aluko just because her current exactly. role is Af- Aston Villa. She's like a chairperson of Aston Villa Women. Um, she would know what's going on in the background of a club. She would, and then yeah. she could actually, and like, obviously, if we just, I can't think of any examples on the men's side because those people are shadowy suits in the background. Mm. And things I was surprised was that none of them went for like Wenger to, nobody was throwing money at him. I'm like, couldn't think of a more intelligent person could that was involved in football that would have had a better insight. Maybe you just thought you'd be too Arsenal tribalist. You know, I never liked Arsene Wenger because, or like none of the kind of reporters, because he would, he didn't like them, he didn't like their questions. So he didn't, (laughs) he wasn't very polite to them. They didn't get, he didn't say what they wanted to hear. So they didn't really get to ask him the questions. Um, So I I don't think Wenger would be the best example there because he's so divisive. Obviously, Arsenal fans love him. and, and even the ones who were Wenger out are starting to be like, oh, the grass wasn't greener on the other it side. It reminds me of all the damn hoes ain't loyal memes that used to come out every single time. Yeah. Whenever a player that we cut loose went, or players that we were like tweeting or fucking doing Instagram stuff and it's just all damn hoes ain't loyal. But it is just... Sorry, go ahead there. Over. I cut across you there. You know, I was just saying, like, that's where I think um, Sky's punditry, obviously good. I'm not going to even say it's even good for analysis because I I don't tend to watch the analysis anymore because they're just dissecting every bar decision. And uh, you don't get to see highlight reels of good play from teams anymore. You see highlight reels or low light reels of bar decisions and refereeing mistakes and, you know, was this a goal, you know, kind of made up controversy. Like, you know, people have forgotten about it. By the time if you didn't keep bringing it up people would have forgotten about that toenail offside but like that brilliant piece of skill down the side by Emil Smith Rowe will never be clipped again unless it's by Fnatic on YouTube and then yeah. they complain that they're losing their anyway this is another rant in, in, entirely but what I'm saying is their analysis is based on what is going to generate the most amount of tweets yes clickbait um, but it's like literally live TV clickbait so that people are going to be outraged by what they hear on TV or they're going to be like, yes, Graeme Sooners is so right. Da, 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 da. Switch account. Graeme Sooners is so right. Switch account. <laughs> All right, is Amy so Murphy. Right. All right, we get the point. <laughs> Barbara. Um, yeah, no, the, but like, no, the, I feel like punditry has gone down that route. You don't really get to see um, proper tactical analysis like... Um, uh, I, I'm trying to think like the days of like 
match of the day when that was the highlight real show it wasn't the sky sports highlight real show the match of the day where they going to go into in it's just all var and shite but the players are ex or they are ex players they don't have that background insight which is you know for the most part in mo mm. if football is doing its job right the background stuff should be shadowy not shadowy in terms of ominous but like you shouldn't have to care about what's going on in the background it should just be working yeah. But now that it's not, you need to get someone who has that sort of background. It has. I, I can you think of any examples of someone who'd be able to be a pundit it's, like it's, that? The person you just described there was Graeme Sinness because he <laughs> has seen both sides. He has been a player. But he's uh, also been not, a recently. not recently. Not recently. No, though. but he has been that person to to fit to decide who gets paid. Yeah, like, who they, they, they'll get Jose on. Gerard. Gerard would do it recently. Mm. He hasn't retired yeah. from being a player that long ago, and he's seemingly a really good manager. You yeah, know? by all accounts, yeah. Uh, he broke the stranglehold, and so now all the bookies have to refund all their uh, bets on Celtic in the overconfident cunts scheme <laughs> in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so like, that's it, I reckon. Yeah, he'd kind of fit that sort of mould, but I don't even think he'd be that good to listen to talk to. Yeah, because yeah, I think they're all hamstrung with what they can say. That's the that's the difference. Because again, if you are a big broadcaster like Sky, like you do, like you can tell, like you're you're part of this problem because you and BT and NBC and all these other companies are having these massive bidding wars, massively inflating the prices, and that's what brings these people in. So once you make it such a marketable thing, and don't get me wrong, like the Premier League was based on greed and inherent greed anyway. Like that's not that's that's not not what we're saying here. But the whole aspect of it is that when you're pushing up the TV prices and making it unaffordable for people, that you have a subscription service and there's a subscription service. And if I want to watch this Burnley versus Everton, I have to pay twenty five quid for it. No, I'm I'm not. I'm gonna wait until I see the three minute highlights or get a dodgy box. That's the reality of it. You know, absolutely. So like they're also part of the problem as well. Yeah, but it's also like they're part of the problem as well. But also, it stems from a similar lack of similar cluelessness, because mm. the Super League was guaranteed. I guarantee you they were like when when people were asking, right? Because when they were talking about the Super League, they were going to go, "Oh, we're going to rake in like we're going to distribute like ten billion over five years." <laughs> like, like people were looking at them, going, "Like, where the fuck is this money going to go? Have you got a printing press somewhere?" You know, like, like yeah. that, because that's the only way you're going to get this. I guarantee you, they were expecting the streaming giants to come in on it. But the problem is, is like streamers, the streaming giants like Amazon, Netflix, they don't want anything to do with sport. The cost ratio is too high for them. Hold too on. Do, do you know? Do you know who who has invested as a streaming service? Twitch have done a deal with the NWSL nice. to um, live stream the uh, American Women's League. Um, so Twitch is that... brilliant for football, by the way, because they have all the youth uh, 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 leagues on Twitch as well, and they get great viewership because all the scouts watch Twitch and watch the fucking matches that way. So it does work, like, but it's Twitch; it's massive, you know. Of course, it's gonna work. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, no, uh, but like, like I, that would be prominent one they'll have at the minute. Um, but yeah, no, Twitch would probably be the best option for a streaming service to come in. I can't, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be like the 
when, when I was, you know, down in your uh, uh, European Super League, um, Jonathan, I'd be like, no, that's not going to happen. I was like, I don't know. I don't think I'd watch live sports on Netflix. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't think it would be for me. And like, yeah, yeah, Amazon Prime and all of that. I've watched <sighs> one game. I've watched one game because as it turns out, my partner has Amazon Prime and I had no idea. And as it turns out, I was sat in front of the television when one of the Prime matches was on. I think it was like a Brighton... I think it was Brighton West Ham or something like that. That could be wrong, but I remember Brighton being one of the teams. And we're going, oh, fucking hell, really? I can flick onto Amazon and, you know, watch Brighton play West Ham without having to move from my couch. And it didn't fucking work. <laughs> because <laughs> apparently you need to do it through... You can't do it on an app on a te- on the that's right on the telly. You have to do it through an app like on your phone and then stream you have it. To- yeah, you have to do it from a device stream to a telly. You can't do it straight off the telly like I watch everything else. And I'm like, ah, oh, here, fuck <laughs> this. No, nah, so I didn't bother. <laughs> like, you're going to make it that difficult for me. You're like, fuck off. I don't care. Fuck you. I love that. But, you know, we're paying you. You fantasize. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the, um, I, but like, like that, I can't see like kind of those services kicking off because like Amazon has tried it and like that Neil you're not the first person to say that oh I tried it and it was shit so I haven't tried it since mm. um like I know um like friends of mine gave us their Amazon account so that we could watch football and uh it was a case of like they, they ended up cancelling their subscription because they're like fuck this I don't care like you know it was like the caliber of games wasn't great um oh. and obviously that's not fault of like Amazon didn't make you know them being nil all draws well in, but in like, all yeah. fairness it's not like, it's not as if they couldn't afford the games that are going to be like gold fests yeah you know like it's not as if you know Bezos can't you know stretch it <laughs> like <laughs> fuck that like but they got a derby once and it was the one derby that just happened to be nil all as it's like, yeah, well, you picked a smashing day to pick the derby, lads. Fucking hell. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's the full Ole one. It's like, oh, it's not going to be nil all. The, the Manchester United leads, man. This isn't going to be nil all. you got two teams who just want to attack, just want to go all out, just want to score goals. No. no. That's <laughs> like, you fucking wanker. <laughs> we made it up. We made it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, publication. <laughs> Will we continue on just talking about our cods? Yeah, yes. let's do it. Let's 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 continue the podcast, shall we? Um, so, uh, Burkbot, you wanna you wanna go for it yourself? Um, I think this is fairly obvious. Like, I tried to think of things that have made me more annoyed than this during the week, but um, it's Arsenal. Not necessarily just for the European Super League, but it's just for making me in such bad moods. Like, Arsenal, Arsenal really have ruined football for me. Like, there, there was a point after the Villarreal game where I actually literally went, I'm actually kind of fucking done with this. Mm. You know, a sense of finality came over me. You know, you know when, like, on your last day or your second last day, when you've decided, I'm, when you're in a job that you hate and you're going to quit, you know when the, the realisation, the last penny of realisation clicks and you're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm fucking done. No, I'm handing that notice in. Fuck this shit. Yeah, yeah. This. That's where I was at at the end of the Villarreal game. I was like... I just couldn't get my head around. Like, I know... Like, right, so there's, yeah, go on. Like, the... 
we right in the last like month we've had dismal losses we've got the fulham game we've got the everton game um where they were absolutely awful performances um we've got we've had the european super league we've had um injuries to players that you know we shouldn't be like david louise getting injured that should not be ruining our season <laughs> Granite Jacka injuring himself in the warm up should not be dooms, you know, forecasting for us because he's not amazing. But the fact that we rely on these players that no one particularly rates, but you'll all say, oh, they're really important for the team. David Luiz and Granite Jacka are really important for the team. But when your players are like regular six out of 10 players and they're really important for your team, I'm sorry, you need to get new squad yeah yeah when, when you're sent when your defense when your best defender has set league records for the amount of penalties that they've conceded you're in like you i was like you really want to go is this the hill you want to die on <laughs> i can think of better ways i mean <sighs> uh, yeah no they they have been fairly um yeah, it's been fairly tough being a supporter. We had like that glimmer of hope with uh, the Newcastle game where he played a second string squad and like we, we got in and uh, like we've got in and we got a good performance out of the lads and you know it was all well and good. People are looking forward to Villarreal. I was fucking shitting it against Unai Emery because all Unai Emery does is sit back and wait for to counter. And everyone knew this because everyone hated Arsenal doing this. And he went to a t- and we hated Arsenal doing this, especially since we didn't have any players who had ever been conditioned to play that game. But then he bought Pepe, who's literally the reason we bought Pepe was for that whole transition between sitting back on a low block and getting the ball up the pitch. And that's like that's how we like Aubameyang got most of his goals under Emery was through this kind of counter-attacking system of getting someone out on the wing, whether it was like uh, I think it was a Wobie and stuff like that. Like had kind of a decent share of in the ball up the pitch, handed to Aubameyang who's in a scoring position for once, and um, scoring a goal. And that's all Emery did. He literally did the exact same tactics, but Arteta. Or and like looked at the squad that he had, and I was like, I don't think, I don't think, no matter what squad he would have picked, and what, no matter what formation or tactics Arteta would have picked against Emery, Emery would have had the whole. All it is is a bit of pace, and we don't have pacey defenders to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd like, I know there's a lot of people on the whole Arteta out bandwagon at the minute, and. I can understand that because we have not been consistent. We have not had a run of games where our performances have led to us being unlucky, for example. Like, I think maybe you could think of the Aston Villa game, the Aston Villa game and the, was it the West Ham three all? Those type of performances where, and the Wolves game, they were games where perhaps the score went against us. But that's three in a season. Everything else has been fairly deserved. But I'm looking at like Granite Xhaka is a six out of ten player on a good day. 
his most amazing games are is him maybe reaching a 6.8, a 7 out of 10. That should be your base standard level if we're going to be competing for Europe. I'm going to be competing at the level that, as a club, we see ourselves at. Um, and it's just kind of, yeah, it's really disappointing to see that, like, you're just so, the fan base have always been very quick to turn on people and whatnot, but I think it's kind of exaggerated a bit now. And I just feel like Arsenal Club, I don't see just burn it down and start from the start. Like, I don't see any way through this. I don't think we're going to buy our way out of it. We don't have the money for that now. Um, we're in a Daniel oh, X. Good. I mean, like the owners definitely have the money. To yeah, the, the owners, but they're not investing in it. Maybe if Daniel Eck, and then the people are turning around going, he'll be our savior. It's like, well, he's fucking destroying the music industry. I don't particularly want him <laughs> near my club. Um, uh, no, fuck that. Um, and now I'm in this kind of moral quandary where I absolutely despise pretty much everything about Stan Kroenke even though he owns the club that I have grown up supporting and like um, following and investing my time and money in. Um, <laughs> and then uh, it's, it, all it is is giving me misery back on, you know, the men's side. I will say on the women's side, it is kind of the saviour and it's probably the only thing that's going good at the minute at the club. Even our under 23s are going to get relegated, that they're battling as we speak for um, their uh, place in their top division and against West Ham. So like, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, they're my cods just as a club, as an entity, not including the women's team, although they've been giving me plenty of heartbreak throughout this year as well. But they're currently on a good run of form, so I'm not going to hold it against them. Guaranteed Champions League football for next season. Yes. Uh, Katie McCabe single-handedly securing Champions League football for us next season. So that is like pretty pretty good. And I think if I'm given the chance, I will do like a, an anti-card of the week. <laughs> Which would be you might have to do that just to cheer ourselves up at some point because, like, it's starting to get. Yeah, I feel like this is such. This is yeah, a, maybe like this is do, a do, doom do cast. Yeah, yes. do our hero hero at the end of the season. Do our like hero of the season, like you know. That's it. Or do the one th- the one thing of football that didn't make me want to slash my wrists. <laughs> silver, silver linings of the year. There we go. That's that's it. That's what we will go yeah, for. Yeah. No. And uh, would you kind of would you kind of. Uh, Hit off the same points as, as Burke was saying there about how like your thoughts are on the on Arsenal so far this season. Yeah, no, it's 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 been fucking garbage. Like we said it, I've said said in numerous previous podcasts here. I was like, you know, we put all of our eggs into the Europa League basket, so it all depends on whether or not we won the Europa League. Um, so I was even saying it's like it all depends on if we win the Europa League. This season was a success, <laughs> no matter what happened in the league, because we're true to the Champions League. And that will set us up, and we're gravy. But if we don't win the Europa League, it's been an unmitigated disaster, and it's been a complete disaster. You know, yeah. I mean, I've got two Arsenal supporting cousins now. Like, if we don't make the, which we probably will not make the Europa League, right through league competition standings, ninth right. now, probably not going to happen. Maybe. I mean, you know, Newcastle are shitting all over. Uh, Leicester right now. So it is mathematically possible you can get third at the moment. That's it. Uh, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. you know. <laughs> Sorry, what? Is this the type of maths that like you know I need to like defrost on? 
uh, Albert I'm Einstein. Choking on my own uh, rage here. I, I, I will actually do enough myself. But um, yeah. So right, we're probably not going to make any kind of European. I have two Arsenal supporting cousins who weren't alive the last time that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, like, um, it's like it, it is going to be our worst season since '95. You know, like it's decimalization. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, like, it is. It, no, it is. And I don't know, Neil. How do you feel about Arteta? Because I don't think we've had a conversation off air about this. But uh, good point. I don't think he should lose his job. Here, here we go now. Because this, this team isn't his. Uh, you know, in much the same way, you can. Sort of, somewhat. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll do an. I'll give you an analogy. Um, Paris Saint Germain. Do you blame Pochettino for them? No, no, no. It's not his team. He's not built that team. No, don't get me wrong. He's playing with vastly more firepower than we have, but it's still not his team. It's still not yeah. a team geared to play how he wants to play. Um, it's not a team he's built. And until a manager has built a team that they have, uh, have are managing a team that they have built. I don't think you really judge him. After the season, uh, sorry, after the summer, all knives are off. All knives are out. You know, um, th- th- like that. That's that's it for me. I think he does have an FA Cup and a champion and a champion uh, and a Community Shield. You know, you know, we did get to a Europa League semi final, but this is it. It's been a disaster of a season. Like you know. Um, so no, I don't think so. But like, I, I, I no extension. <laughs> I do agree with you, Neil. There, that it's not his team. Um, but I don't know now with without European football, where we're going to get. He's going to get the funds to build his own team. Youth, go with the youth. I mean, look at right. How just a quick we pick right because I've got the team up here. Right, look, we've got defenders that are out now on loan that are playing like fucking. Mad dogs. Saliba is killing it. Get him back in the fucking team, right? Get Robert Panos as well, isn't he? Remember, Robert Panos is killing it. Yeah. Robert Panos is uh, st- starting for Verdun. Panos is killing it as well. Quite literally, mm. he's a bit of a killer. So, like, get rid of Louise. Um, yeah. you know, we do need a left back. <laughs> you know, yeah. Tani cannot. You know, he cannot. Katie, he's, he's the wrong. <laughs> case, yeah. He is the wrong Katie, but that's it. I'm like, you get Saliba in. I think bring Katie can... into the men's team. Yeah, and I think McCabe. we're sorted there. Bring Katie McCabe straight into the men's team, and I think you've got to sort it. I think Saliba would slot in really well alongside Gabriel, or um, Murray, or, or Murray. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a good centre back pair, sets of centre back pairings there. And at right back, we got Hecky Bell and Chambers can double up. I feel like Hecky Bell's on his way out. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Here, this is what I mean. Like this summer is going to be like this is this summer is Arteta's summer. Save his job and potentially it, Arsenal. It could, it could be the case that um, Hecky Bell's gets sold off for a decent amount of moolah. Uh, the likes of Maitland Niles is uh, you know itching for a move away in Ketia. Well, here's my here's my point. Like, why are we selling off midfielders? We're not going to have any. Right on the Arsenal website, I'm looking at the team right now. We have seven midfielders: Saka, Sabayos, Odegaard, Partey, El Nelly, El Nenny, uh, Smith Rowe, and Jacka. 
right, we're going to lose two of them. We're not keeping either Odegaard or Ceballos. Ceballos yeah. has already stated that he doesn't want to go back to Real Madrid. And I say good luck to him because if he thinks he can get into that Real Madrid, the Madrid team, he, he, I, I need the number of his weed dealer because <laughs> he, he's, getting, he's getting the primo shit. Like, because I remember, I even said in the last podcast, I was laughing at that interview when he said, oh, I, could, I want to go play for Real Madrid. I was like, yeah. I, don't, we <laughs> don't we all, so, don't we all? You know? So would I, man. And maybe, maybe they're women's team. Yeah, I was like, well, I don't even think he's got a chance there. Um, so that means we're going to have five midfielders, right? Mm. Saka, Party, Elneny, Smith Rowe, and Jacka. Jacka is a six out of t- six out of ten midfielder. Mm. Uh, same with Elneny. Elneny is a six out of ten, although he has been doing his shooting practice, which probably makes him roughly a six and a half solid squad <laughs> player. Keep them, definitely keep them. Don't rely on these cunts. You can't. Yeah. Party hasn't proven that he can do it for ninety minutes yet. So no. of all of our of all of our midfielders, the only dependable ones are Smith Rowe and Saka, a nineteen and a twenty year old. Why are yeah. we sending off midfielders? Get Malin Niles back in. Why can't we play him in midfield? There's nobody fucking there. Get Willock back in. He's scoring goals. <laughs> As a, if yeah. you want no, the no, take we now have the opportunity to do what we did when we were paying off the stadium. And go yeah. on Project Youth. Yeah. Like, sell off all of the dead wood. There's tons of dead wood. Our forwards. All right then. Like, all right then. Maybe, maybe don't sell off Lacazette. Well, actually, probably, yeah. If we can get some money for Lacazette, yeah, sell him off. You know, if we can find a convenient wood that we can leave Willian in, leave him there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, but other than that, you've got a great fucking uh, forward line there. You know, mm. get, we, we've re-signed Balogun. Like, there's not yeah. a chance we sign Balogun. All right, we might have to lose in Ketia. I would rather not. Um, because I genuinely think he could be like a new Ian Roy for us. Uh, yeah, really, really do that. Get rid of the rest of them. Tell William, go fuck off. Sell off Lacazette if we can. Maybe sell off Aubameyang. He's not producing. Go full on Project Youth. Go for it. Like Martinelli, yeah. like every time Martinelli plays, it's a wonder to watch. He is such a fucking brilliant player to watch. I love yeah. him play. I really, he, he's a player that makes you really want to watch football. Yeah. Mm. Get him in there, you know? So yeah. if you want an outsider's take on the club, like the way I would say it is, I, I'm totally agreeing with what you say about like, go back to root, your roots in a sense, go back to like your, your young players and, and bank on them. But here's the thing about that. From someone looking into the club, I don't get any indication that the people in Arsenal and not our territory now, above them, above, above our territory, have any clue how to build a squad and what that actually means. So well, I say that like, because like, this, this, the manager. Like, like that's why yeah. they, they upgraded him from head coach to manager because I guarantee it, they turned around and went, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do. Why didn't I have to do this before? <laughs> Raúl Sanelli, tell us what to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wait, he's been carted off. Uh, fuck. So, uh, is that still there? Mikel, do you know anything about this? Yeah. You, you go do that. You go do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll do manager again. Yeah, that that works so great for the last guy. Boom. Yeah. That's why. That's why. Like you know. Yeah, but this and this is the trouble, right? Because like I'm looking at like because I found the Willian like deal such a strange one in hindsight. Because from the team that you had last season, you didn't need Willian. Like he was not a necessary signing. And when you work up the 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 maths about it and the, the wage that he is on, 
you could have got two midfielders, three midfielders, three whatever out of his wages. And the thing about it is that Arsenal, and again, this is going to be a very similar conversation I would have with Spurs, is that they are not shrewd businessmen anymore. With Ar- like I remember with Arsenal, like, like how much money would you have spent on Perez or Bergkamp? Like pittance, comparatively. Like you made something out of those players. Whereas in, whereas with Arsenal, now you feel it necessary to sign luxury players. And you've had this for a while. You've had this since Ozil. You've had this since uh, like Ozil's won. Well, Ozil was a great deal. Ozil was fantastic. Getting Ozil for 42 and a half million under everybody else's noses from Real. He was the peak of his powers. Like oh, that yeah, was, I know that. If there, not a single person was looking at that and going, fucking hell, Arsenal might actually win the league this But season. this is my point, Neil. You have now that pattern since because that worked out so well. You see, when Ozil signs, like, every, like again, it's a very much like Man United approach to signings. When they're signing players like this, they see the shirts first and then the performance better. It just so happened that Ozil was exactly who you needed at that moment in time. Likewise, the next season, you signed Alexis Sanchez for the exact same purpose. That worked brilliantly. You sold a lot of shirts. And then what happens next then? You have, like, Lacazette, Aubameyang. Okay, Grant. Okay, makes sense. But what's the side effect of that? Is that you only see those marquees. No, well, no, Lacazette made sense. Like you needed, the, and you needed number nine, and he was that. Abamyang, you needed like a strike partner, and you got that. Now you have a system where, like, for some reason, neither of them can fucking score goals. That's Arteta's problem, and he'll have to get on that. But the end of that cycle, where you are signing those marquee signings to improve your squads, is Willian, because like it's the it's the exorbitant wages, and at that point you've lost sight of what you actually need for the squad. So you're just signing the biggest name you can get for free, and that was him. Like, if it was an alter-universe, you guys would have signed Cavani. Like, you nearly signed Falcao a couple of years ago. It's the exact same pattern. There's no one at Arsenal actively looking at the squad and thinking, what do we need? How many centre-backs do you have? Ten at this point? If if, if Mavapanos yeah. and Saliba came back, you have ten centre-backs for a team that could have only played two. Centre-backs. Uh, we would have a Gabriel holding Chambers, Barry, Barry Louise, Saliba, and Mavapanos. That's seven, and that's after and that's after you selling off like Mustafi this season, yeah. Uh, so like, so like, you would have had eight eight starting off this season. That is like, no matter which way you cut that, that is horrendous. Eight centre backs and one left back. Yeah, now that's that's my point because like, there's no one actively looking like like in theory, Saliba. Oh yeah, great, we get him in. Like we we needed youth. It's like yeah, but you you put him in a position where you have so much already. You know it's. It boggles the mind. There's no one actively sitting down and like putting a pen to paper and saying, we need this, this, and this. I don't know if that's Arteta. I don't know if that's a guy above him. But no one in that squad knows how to build a team. I think, that's I the think, reality of I it. I think prior to that, there was nobody there. But now, coming up, I mean, like, we're always going to be limited. I mean, I think everybody, every team is limited in January. So oh, I, yeah. no, I don't I don't count the January window that went came and went as mm. an Arteta window because... What really can you do? Like, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. But it's even that point, like, I mean, how exactly... But I think, I think now, it's, now it's going to be, it'll be, basically, it'll just be Edu and Arteta. That's so all it is. brave enough to say, right, overall, like, big picture, we need to let go of Aubameyang. We need to let, we need to find a, a seller for Aubameyang. No matter what the money they're offering, we need to let him go because he's too much of a strain. Like, I, I'll be honest, like, and uh, I know I can't talk from a Liverpool standpoint here and from being on Manny have stand because don't get the place this season. But Bamiang has been fucking terrible this season. Like since like, since yeah, no, he's not good. And in all fairness now, like in all fairness to the player, he has admitted that himself. Yeah. Um 
I, I, you know, but I would say, yeah, I would say absolutely, Edu and Arteta. I'm like, sure, the way he throws out Urzel, look at the way he did that, you know. So yeah. he's he's got he, he can make that stance. Um, I don't think he will with Aubameyang. I think he will always see Aubameyang as kind of like, you know, your finishing always goes last with kind of players mm-hmm. like that. Like look at Cavani at Manchester United. Like he's yeah, not yeah, making lung bursting seventy yard runs. He's not surging down the left. What they want him for is for his movement and his finishing. And literally, like you could be forty five years old and they never leave. It's all of about course, intelligence yeah. and finishing. Yeah. It's now yeah. that brings in further complications of actually getting the ball to the motherfucker. And that's yeah, what Manchester story, United yeah. sorted out, is get the ball to him. And I think that's what we need to sort out as well. We don't have a midfield, mm. you know. And as Paris Saint-Germain demonstrated against Manchester City, if you can have the best strike force in the world, but if you don't have a midfield, it doesn't matter at all matter, when you yeah. come up against another team. Yeah. And I think, yeah, but I, I do believe that, like, well, Arteta, I'm like, he might as well go for it, but strong decisions I'm like if he gets it wrong he's fucked he will be sacked at the end of next season yeah but this is, you know? but this is the reality of it for me like when you're when you are like you're gonna like in reality you are gonna be finishing say 8th, ninth, 10th potentially like you could finish underneath Villa and Leeds based off like kind of results yeah and I'm looking at that and thinking like like obviously there will be have to be some tough decisions you're gonna have to you will sell players that's the only thing you can do but like realistic, like ideally, you'd like to sell like you like you would like to sell Louise, Willian, Abamyang. They're your three biggest earners on the on the on the on the wage bill. But in reality, who you're going to be selling is Holding, Bellerin, Saka, Nketiah. Like you, you're going to you, like you. You're not I don't know if do that. I don't know. We we can't get rid of all of those players either, though, because of the British. Um, Quote, rules. like no quota, well yeah. the homegrown the homegrown yeah the homegrown quota is what yeah. yeah but that's the thing but that but those are the those are the more marketable players is my point like there's people yeah. that's going to want to sign Saka for for squad planning likewise with Bellerin he'll be a good squad player for another team in the in the in the in the top top tier of of English football or he'll go to somewhere like PSG and be a squad well, player well we we've, we've tied Saka down so he ain't going anywhere. Right, but um, well, well, Smith Rowe would be the next one then, ideally. Well, I presume you've, you've that, well, be yeah, we've opened the contract. Yeah, we've opened up yeah. the club. I've opened up officially contract yeah. talks with him. But uh, yeah, like yeah, I mean, you look at that squad and you're thinking, mm, yeah, there's lots to get rid of, but it's mm. getting rid of it. We have the same <laughs> problem at Liverpool because the whole conversation is who we're going to get in. It's like, hang on, we have like four players we need to let go of first. Like yeah. we tried to find a buyer for a Rigi and nothing happened. Yeah, th- uh, I think it's yeah, we said that in the previous one it was like props unused to this now because in the past yeah. he's always had Bayern Munich poaching all of his best players. Yeah, exactly doing, it. Like, doing yeah, his like, squad clear out for him and now he's to do it himself and like mm, you know, he's like, Why can't we get rid of this person? Because FSG want ninety million quid for him. Yeah, and that, and that, that gets on my tits a little bit as well because it is at the point where you just, just sell the fucking players. Forget, forget about the markup. Like, eyes in the price, people. There's a there's a faster, angrier striker out there you can buy for with a release clause. Get him and get let go of the other guy. <laughs> like, it's progression. Stop investing so much. Like, But that's what happens when you when you inflate your, your fees so much. So we have the same issue with Liverpool. Like, we need to get rid of Origi. We need to get rid of... Um, like let's face it, Kate is a flop. I can't, I can't defend the guy anymore. I love him to bits, but he, 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 we can't justify the, the price tag. Minamino has has not delivered either. Um, and as much as it hurts, 
Shakiri's going to go and I don't want him to go because I think he's a brilliant player. I love Shakiri. He's frozen but, for you, has he? Yeah. Oh, okay, give him a minute. Give him a minute. <laughs> I'll be back in a second. <laughs> he must have said Minamino too many times and he's exactly, just, you yeah. know, unleashed the curse on his Wi-Fi. Exactly, the Wi-Fi yeah, is the power is now feeding itself into itself. Mini, 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 mini. <laughs> this always happens. Bear with. Oh, boy. There we go. Come on. <laughs> there we go. Right, I'm back. Sorry about that. That happens all the I time. I said it three times and I I undid the curse. I, I, you, you broke the curse. Still. You broke the curse. Thank you. That's what happened when I talk about Japanese squad players. Anyway, um, but, it, but it's the same thing. Like, I, I love like Shakiri, for example. That's what I was going to say there. But And we're going to let him go. And I don't want us to let him go because he's a brilliant squad player. We just don't, we're not using him. And when we are using him, we're only giving him like 10 minutes of pop and it really gets on my tits. You know, because if it was a case where that's, like, that's again, five minutes per calf muscle, that's more than enough. Yeah, that's no, it's not, Neil. No, it fucking isn't, right? He needs fifty minutes at least for those things to work. But but the thing is, like, like again, I'm not I'm not going to crucify our team this season because obviously we've just been shot full stop. It's it's it hasn't just been the squad players; it's been the the main players as well, and injuries and everything else in between. It's just been a rotten season for all of us. Um, but at least like, at least from my side, like, um. I don't like for us, I don't think we'll we'll get European football ourselves. I don't think we've got it in us, really. If we are, it's gonna be Europa League and that's not what we want, you know. So it's 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 gonna be a trouble in that regard. So I don't know where we're gonna go with Aren't they starting off that conference league next season? Conference league, whoever's seventh is going to the conference league. And that's like a, yeah. <laughs> that laugh of derision is all you need to that. I didn't start yeah. up that conference league. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's quite literally the consolation prize league that's all that is it's like you try yeah, it exactly well done but uh yeah no it's 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 gonna be a weird one for both of our clubs this season because we both have a lot of work to do but there's no market for it and no one's gonna buy the players that we want to get rid of so we're kind of stuck with them in a way and um, it's a weird one and um, but yeah i suppose like um to continue on and and we'll perhaps finish off this podcast in a way um Let's talk about the finals that we we are now going to have in in Europe. Um, I'm not gonna be, I'm gonna be honest, lads. I'm not gonna watch it. I'm not gonna watch the Champions League final between Man City and Chelsea. Um, I literally could not give a less of a fuck about it. And I know it's because it's two clubs that I generally detest, but it's also two of the most soulless clubs you can get this side. I, of the I, I, I laugh. I laughed that they considered like the the City PSG game that was dubbed like the Oil Wars. Yeah, and I was going. Wait a minute. Do you, do, you, do you know where Chelsea get their money from? <laughs> it's the same stuff, <laughs> you fucking turds. Just because he's been at the club for an awful lot longer than everybody else. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he still just funneled all the billions into a fucking, into a club that 15 years ago used to have four transits parked behind the goals. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and rail, rail's in that bracket as well because, like, Florentino Perez is a snake oil merchant, so that works out as well, you know. But um, yeah, but yeah, Real are fucked financially. Like, I'm like, we've spoken about the Spanish debacle, yeah. you know. In you know, they're they're total like that's the they, they were the main drive the main drivers behind the Super League. Like, that, mm. that's a desperate Barcelona were. That's how desperate Barcelona's situation were that they went into a Super League that was run by Florentino Perez, a man they literally wouldn't give the steam off their piss. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like so they hate him so much so that that ridiculous press statement that all the clubs put out, they cut him out of it. They did, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that. Next so, level of petty. But um Oh man, it's so petty, but like they just hate him. Like they just yeah. they fucking they really hate him, you know. I, 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 and also, I like, they, they're saddled with a lot of Deadwood as well. Like, actually, funnily enough, mm. one of the main contenders for my card was Hazard. Oh yeah, now this was good. I, this I, no, good. I did. I, I kind of knew what your cards were, and I was like, I think I will counterbalance it with a, a, a card of levity, a dash of comedy, yes. a laughing card, a card, <laughs> a card at me, yeah. And the, the have you seen the El Chiringuito clip? Oh. I have so not. El Gito is basically kind of like La Marca for I think uh, La Marca is that the Real is that the Real magazine? La Marca is the is the Real backed one, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's a TV show and they're so unbelievably partisan towards <laughs> Real Madrid and Perez in particular that it's mm. they actually cross the line into full on entertainment. It's not even really a news show. It's literally propaganda. It's it, prop, it's Real Madrid propaganda. propaganda. It, and, but it's not it's thinly veiled propaganda. It's not even yeah. like <laughs> good propaganda. Mm. But the fucking you just watch the clip. They, it's basically the background, the backdrop of the <laughs> the, the studio, right? Um <laughs> and it's fronted by this old wizened Spanish guy who Ken Early brilliantly described as looking like Michael Parkinson Michael Parkinson if he crawled out of a vat of brill cream like the Joker. <laughs> oh my god, I can actually picture that. Exactly. And I think I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, it's we'll show you the clip after, yeah. Walking horrible, right? And it, the backdrop of it is like a freeze frame of Hazard. I think he's laughing, is it Zuma? Yeah, Zuma, yeah. He's best mate with Zuma. Him pissing himself laughing with Kurt Zuma and he's just sitting there and there's this really ominous kind of music like the aliens <laughs> are about to invade style music. And it's just him making statements in a darkened room going, that's that. I, I don't know the Spanish for an kiss like that, but I read the translation. It's, it's like, Azard splitting his sides laughing after Real are eliminated. Arrives at the club, kilos overweight, won't train. All this shit like that. He's like, he cannot spend one more second at Real Madrid. He must get rid of it. He's another Gareth Bale. I was like, that's a bit harsh. Oh, my God. Like, that's a bit harsh on Gareth Bale. Like, that's a bit harsh yeah. on a player who scored the winning goal in two Champions League finals. Yeah, <laughs> Gareth Bale wants to play for Real Madrid. You just didn't fucking like him. You just don't you just play him. You're racist. You do not like him. I mean, like, yeah. Hazard is coming off his 10th major injury in two years. Uh, he's only played. He's missed fifty-eight games. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, he's he's been fucking terrible, and he still looks really fat. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was weird. It's such a hilarious thing to watch. It really is. El Chiringuito, fire that one up there, Burkba. But um, it, it was it's mad for me. What it, it for, Matt, for me? What it was? It was like you know when somebody has a point that you agree with but deliver it in a manner that you're like, nah, I'm not getting on board with this, pal. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, and he deliver it in such a fucking ridiculous, stupid tone. And you're like, I agree with every word you're saying, but I just fucking, no, I cannot be seen to be associated with this. It, because, it was just a professional slick on it. It was the fact that like, <sighs> oh, you're actually trying to make this like, uh, like they were doing it like proper, like Fox News type style. It was like, yeah, here is my talking points. As like, 
this man has to go. He must leave. I have no say in the matter because it really was, it really was like old Spanish Kent Brockman's two cents. Do you know, yes, that is exactly what it was. <laughs> Holy shit, uh, you nailed it. it and <laughs> in all fairness, like they are correct. Like who the fuck is laughing like that after being knocked out of a Champions League semi final? Very you true. Know? Yeah, yeah. He should, he should give a shit. Uh, you like when they say that he doesn't give a shit, like. He really should be like he's missed twice as many games in two years that he ever did in six or seven at Chelsea. Mm. You know his form's gone off a cliff. His hundred million—they paid a hundred million euros for him, and it's been a be unbelievable disaster. Yeah. You know, for him, it's been nothing but a shocking shame of a transfer. Wind your neck in. Don't be laughing after your team get eliminated. I, but I will say, like, it's not his fault he got injured, though. Like, these in, like I do hate it when a player is legitimately unfortunate in their... Oh, no, but it, he, he arrived at Real way overweight. Like, I, yeah, uh, I, direct, yeah. The direct quote from him was, when I'm on holiday, I'm on holiday. I enjoy myself. And apparently he arrived in, like, nearly five kilos overweight, and they were just going, what the fuck? Who are you, and why have you eaten Eden Hazard? <laughs> you know like and then obviously you didn't train when you're fucking you've got that much extra bulk on the training yeah, and yeah. It off and then you know the the injuries just snowball and it's just terrible yeah. no that was actually it like, and but, um, like yeah it's just, he's, he is being scapegoated though because over those two legs Real were fucking terrible they were awful I watched like, the first leg and it, the first match was actually like both teams were gank. Um, they, yeah. they, it looked like yeah. a Europa League uh, qualifier match rather than, you know, it wasn't even Europa League standard. Mm. Um, and I think I said it to you, Jonathan, I was like, oh my God, this match has been just ridiculous in terms of. Um, oh, it was such a low bar of quality. Yeah, like it was just such a bad, like it was such a bad advertisement for the game. And it's like, oh, they, you know, that was literally the final straw where they were just like, yeah, do you know what we need? We need to just have a European Super League that will, you know, if we call it Super League, then maybe they'll start playing Super. <laughs> we can have this all the time, you know. But I, I find both semi-finals were quite lopsided. I mean, I think a, a, a mad stat from the PSG City legs was that the last save Ederson had to make was in the 28th minute of the first leg. Oh, my God. Yeah, he looked very bored, to be fair. I, I, th- I genuinely think it was part of Paris Saint-Germain's kind of tactics is to make him suffer an existential bout of ennui from loneliness. <laughs> and then he'd just run screaming off the pitch. And then they could just, like, you know, fire the ball in from 70 yards. <laughs> Uh, but it was a brave strategy, and it just didn't. It was, that. you know, it, it was, it was a, it was a Potigeno strategy. Uh, you know, oh he, God, he, he liked to do that, but yeah. that, that was the point. I was like, and they've like two hundred and fifty million quid worth of strike force, you know, like, and they could, they could muster a shot on target in like over a hundred minutes. Like they literally yeah. played twice two matches and could barely muster up a shot on target. I was like, oh, you guys are shit. You guys are diabolical. Like. This this is what I couldn't get my head around for the Champions League this year. Like, I mean, like oftentimes like the Queen does rise to the top with 
with the Champions League, you will get like the, the teams that have been the best that season, like with Liverpool and like with, with Bayern Munich beforehand. When like when Munich won the Champions League like last season, it was because they were the best team in in Europe. There was no nothing denying that. And they, fucking, had, they stormed to that final. Like they absolutely shit. They did their way. Like murdered Barcelona. They killed a man in, in Barcelona. Like <laughs> using their um, own man. Yes. <laughs> You know, and I think like in fact, they, they contribute so much to Coutinho's salary that Bayern Munich actually earned money on that game. <laughs> you know? They managed to offset the entire wage bill for that game. It was like Jesus, you know, we could have literally fielded the academy players. This was brilliant. I was thinking like, I'm thinking like, like that's that's the way a Champions League should be. Like, so and don't get me wrong, sometimes you get a you get a free occurrence like a Porto or a Monaco getting to the final and thinking, oh well, they've actually. They they have earned it. They have they have been there on merit, you know, or did Ajax from last last time out. But that's because they are definitely good teams. They're playing a good side of football and it and it's it's working for them in that regard. And this year wasn't that though, I found, because like the, the best teams in Europe aren't in the Champions League final. Like Man City are like uh, perhaps there by merit because they've just been able to like survive. That's that's what I feel like to me. They've just been able to survive enough. It's because they have still, steps. But it's because Pep has like gone full on with his strikerless formations. Like he's totally yeah. disregarded the need for forwards. Like he's just gone, no, I don't need any. That's what makes mm. the, like the notions that Haaland will sign for them just so fucking ridiculous. Oh, it's, it's like, stupid. He it's hates strikers. He hates strikers. Yeah, you know, he's got a team. I saw uh, Richie Sadlier did a, a good kind of preview to the the City ah, PSG on, match. Uh, he's basically like they're, they're like oh so what can you see as being a weakness in City's you know game plan going in here and he was like I don't really think it's a weakness but I suppose I have to put something down here is that they don't have a forward and um, basically had to show a load of clips of Man City attacking mm. and Basically, he was like, okay, and imagine if De Bruyne hadn't made this perfect run here, then no one would have been there to, to you know, score the goal. <laughs> you know, like, or imagine Foden hadn't passed this ball, in, like, inch perfect into uh, Riyad Mahrez's path. Like, they, you know, and Riyad Mahrez hadn't made that 40-yard run to be in the position that he is. Th- then they'd be in trouble. But, like, yeah, they're just, they're not. The, the players are doing their job and it's a well-oiled machine and it was it was just it was um it was just gas because obviously it's 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 not necessarily new but like it's it's definitely new on this kind of scale and at this level of um actually working mm-hmm. <laughs> i suppose that like i don't think a team has done it as well as man city are doing it right now um but yeah it, it it, it, yeah, they're just looking for a negative in the Man City play and it was like mm, well if I had to pick something I'll make up this one yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly like, um, it, it says a lot like that a team with no strikers is in the Champions League final but then but as Neil said it's down to the system and how people are still trying to like suss it out because this is Guardiola's like dream system yeah but like it, it's not easy enough to suss out like he can do it get mm. through them it's just everybody's just fucked they've literally lestered the Champions League this season you know they've simply just gone oh we don't have to play really well we just have to play less shit than everybody else 
pretty you much, know, yeah. It's like the, the parable about it's like the parable about outrunning the bear with your mate. It's like, oh, how are we gonna outrun this bear? We don't. <laughs> I just have to outrun you. <laughs> and that's the point. He's like, oh, how do we play the best? How do we play the best football in Europe? We don't. We just play the least shit football and we win because everybody else is crocked. Everybody else is fucked. You know, the thing is, and unfortunately, the, unfortunately, the one team now that they've run into is the only other team that isn't as fucked as they are. Yes. Because, you know, they've got the oil billions as well, but mm. also they now have a manager who is getting the, who in much quicker time than anybody thought and could be forgiven for thinking so, by the way, that Tuchel's gotten this team running really, really well. I guarantee when they thought up of this let's play less shit than everybody else strategy, Frank Lampard was still in <laughs> Frank Lampard was still in charge of Chelsea and they were like, Oh my god, they're a basket case. <laughs> you know? And they were right. Yeah, yeah they were right, yeah. Absolutely. But now Tuchel is like, oh no. The German, you know, he, he plays too efficient. You know, yeah. it's too efficient now. So it's no, like they've they've had they had that game already in the semi the epic of semi final. And mm. the other weird thing was, like, it was a case, it, it did kind of feel like the, the, the Cinderella effect, where, like, whatever City was trying, it just wasn't working against Chelsea. And I found that fascinating because, like, the Chelsea team weren't doing anything really outrageous. They were kind of lumping the ball up to Werner. He would make a run. And, and they were using Werner quite smartly. He wasn't there to kind of, like, shoot a goal. What he was doing was, like, dragging Diaz away from everyone else. That's or, the point, because Diaz, yeah. Diaz has basically just been their company. I mean, like, in the in the last uh, City game against Paris Saint Germain, he was fantastic. He was oh yeah, really, he's brilliant this season. I'll give him brilliant. that. He was mm. fucking brilliant, and that's all they did. They just had Werner occupy him. I was like, without him, the rest of them are garbage. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, uh, you know, Fernandinho can't turn back the clock as as, as often as he can do. No. And um, the thing is, is that if you tie up their midfield, they've got nothing more. The problem is, is that their midfield is stacked. You know. Oh yeah. They've they've still they're still doing the city they're still doing the city thing of having two elite players for every position, but have now realised that well if you don't have any forwards that's a much easier thing to do, <laughs> you know it's like six exactly yeah if I just have like five elite midfielders four elite defenders, you know and the tea lady, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know that's it's easy to it's easy to cost even when you're backed by a nation state ten yeah. elite midfielders. Because you can just feel some of them as false nines and go, oh yeah, well you can be a winger now, even though you're nominally a central attacking midfielder. Because True, yeah. we can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, and that's that's just my point. Like, it's they're just. I I think it's I I I think Chelsea will win it. So do I. I I was about to say this. I think I re- I reckon Chelsea could just like sucker punch the fuckers to death. Honestly. Mm, I'm going to say Man City. Interesting. I no, I see no, I see what she's done here, right? Because when you look at every other result that's happened, not just in the Champions League, but in every other game, right? And you've thought, what do I want the least to happen? <laughs> that's what's happened. Yeah. No, actually, yeah, I'll switch yeah. it. I, I, I'm going to switch. I'm going to go yeah, City. Yeah. I was going to say on City as well. I yeah. absolutely don't want to City to win. To win. That's literally the last thing I want. Yeah, I think they're going to Therefore, win 5-0. They're going to win. going to get like, sent dead through the table. That's what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, ditto, with the, ditto with the Europa League final. I absolutely don't want Manchester United to win. I remember what Manchester United fans were like the last time they won the Europa League final. And oh my God, I, I'm amazed it wasn't I, I would rather Emery have a good evening 
Yes. Um, I, am now cheering, I am now cheering for the good evening. I mean, he has to. It's the Europa League final. It's literally his competition. He made it with his bare hands. <laughs> really? No, I, 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 we got there. <laughs> Again, uh, I think that was us taking a political stand about the match being held at Baku. Vicatarian, who I actually do not rate as a player and never liked in my team, but just that you know, he's still a human, he's allowed to travel. Yeah, it's a principle of it. You're right, um, absolutely. Could I do a, a quick preview of the women's champions Please league? Do. A match I'm that I think is actually going the... to be even more intriguing than yes. uh, a nil all going to extra time and maybe penalties Manchester City Chelsea match um, I think it, I am buzzing to see uh, Emma Hayes in a Champions League final again mm. um, yeah so as yeah so it is Chelsea versus Barcelona in the final um, Barcelona getting to the final um, against Leon, uh, getting quite resoundingly beaten. But you know, Leon aren't in it, and it's just going to be so refreshing to have like basically a new name on the trophy. Because yeah. um, Leon have like basically been in like each of the last ten finals. Well, Leon, Leon weren't good enough for the European European Super League, so. <laughs> that's very that's true their, that's their political stance oh we're not good enough for the Super League well then you can have your fucking trophy <laughs> um, anyway motherfuckers <laughs> this, this, I will say some of the semi-finals uh, the matches the, the, like, the four matches of semi-finals that you know, took place the home and away legs were just some of the best, most exciting football I have seen. Um, and it is refreshing. And I and I really, really hope, and I was talking to a colleague in work about this today, who is becoming very much disillusioned with the whole, you know, men's football and the whole franchise football kind of thing is how he stated it. Um, he said, you know what? I need to set up an FA player account so that I can watch the women he's like I know although they're going to be played on Sky next year and yeah. um, uh, with, with the deal that he, and he was he knows about the deal he's like but I just don't get to watch the women enough and I was like right I know you're a Liverpool supporter so maybe just lower your expectations in terms of quality years. there um, <laughs> yeah. they, they play I, at a yeah. But I was, I but I was telling him, I was like the he he basically said, oh actually this is how the conversation started. You know, was obviously I'm a big women's football fan, so he was like, oh I watched Barcelona versus Chelsea at the weekend, and I was like, oh what did you think? And he was like, not joking. He was like, don't rate Chelsea as a men's club. Um, he was like Barcelona obviously are the Barcelona. He was like, but Barcelona play or sorry, he watched uh, it was Bayern Munich. Yeah. And Chelsea. Sorry, um, Barcelona's the final. Uh, he was like, um, he's like, I haven't seen Barcelona women's play, but if they play the way Bayern women play, this is going to be an amazing final because yeah. it was absolutely, it was so neck and neck. And the scoreline ended up kind of flattering Chelsea because like one of the cruelest goals I've ever seen scored in the match is last minute, Bayern had a corner and mm. they sent their keeper up and somehow Chelsea scrambled the ball away and they end up running the ball and scoring. It, and it was like, oh, uh, but like, oh, it was, I mean, even, the own, even the own goals are almost better in women's football. I mean, like loopholes 
40 <laughs> yard attempt out of our own net. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then you have like uh, Sarah Zadrazil's goal for Bayern. Um, oh. And there's actually, I, I was listening to a podcast where. Um, Emma Hayes is like kind of a uh, stats guy was just like uh Emma was like she's getting the ball too much like she's gonna take a pot shot music like, look she like just according to her stats like she just doesn't take shots from that range like we're fine like she can have the ball out that way and then she's just like oh you're letting me have the ball out this far okay thwack top <laughs> corner like it was fucking it was amazing goal. shot and I feel absolutely devastated. She's one of the vloggers for the We Play Strong channel, and um, I, I actually she her weekly vlog has been posted this week, so I'm looking forward to kind of seeing it. But like, she must be so devastated to score such a wonder goal in a yeah. Champions League semi final, uh, an away goal at that, and then to lose. Um, I I have to say I do I. I as an Arsenal fan, I don't like the fact that Chelsea are doing better than us. But you cannot fault Emma Hayes. I think she's a fantastic personality. I think she is. She's done everything right by the books. She's managed to kind of do what Chelsea have done in the men's team, but so much better in terms of having squad of individuals that can work together in the right system. And she's got them all working and on the same wavelength. Yeah. They are missing Magda Ertzen, their like captain, their like leader, um, out with a serious knee injury. And Jess Carter, I think is her name, came in. She's a girl like who was playing a few years ago with Birmingham. Um, I didn't even realise she played for Chelsea. Like this is how little she's used. And she stepped up and has been absolutely player of the match like the last three games for them. Like mm. like set up the winning goal or the goal that like you know ended up kind of turning the tie in Chelsea's favour the other day. But she yeah, no Neve Charles as well, didn't it? Yeah, like Neve Charles is kind of this like uh, unknown kind of under the radar player and it's just like she's just come into her own she's playing with the likes of Lou Potts and Harder and Kirby who is just having to, a renaissance yeah I was about to yeah. say it's, it's really easy to play really really well when you've got Pernell Harder <laughs> you know like Frank uh, uh, Kirby on form he single-handedly wiped us out yeah um, Sam Kerr is um, also has reached a run of form. She is now WSL top scorer, uh, two ahead of Miedema. Um mm. So Miedema's crown could be taken off. Not that I don't think she'd care, but uh, I care. Um, but yeah, no, it, it we, is... We will be happy for her. Lo- yes, looking, at, <laughs> looking at the Barcelona team, though, they are um, not to be underestimated. Um, Barcelona were playing PSG in the other match. And annoyingly, they were overlapping time-wise um so i was kind of i had like a youtube stream of one of them open and the like a dodgy stream of the uh, uh, and the bt stream on the other but like it was um oh it's just so good like barcelona's play they play just like the men like in prime barca um like just tick attack a really good play um, there's a couple of ex-Arsenal players at the club as well. You've got like Vicky Lasada. She didn't feature now in this match, but like she's kind of getting on in her age. Not that she'll want me to say that. Um, but like I, she would be one that would be rested um, ahead of a final if they thought they were going to go through. Um, you've got um, Oshuola 
if you remember her. You remember Oshawala, yeah. Um, as a Liverpool and uh, ex-Arsenal player. Mm. Um, and she's basically Nicolas Pepe, Nicola Pepe. She just runs really fast with the ball and can do absolutely wondrous things and can do absolute daft things because she forgets how to foot. Um, yeah. But no, um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I do think this is the ideal chance for people who are getting disengaged with the franchise football to turn to the women's game where there isn't, well, VAR is coming into it, but it's not a major player in women's. Um, It is, you've got the kind of ground, kind of building from the ground up kind of feel from the teams. And um, yeah, I would say that if anyone's giving out about how franchise football has ruined the game, just direct them to the women's leagues because you see a lot more kind of integrity, I think would be the word there. There's a lot less showboating for the sake of getting the gift put on a Nike ad being put on, or there's a lot less, you know, falsehoods about it. It's everyone out there trying their best, just having fun, getting to play professional football. It's just great. And they do it to a really high standard, despite, you know, having to get back to the kitchen to make sandwiches for their men. Yeah, well, that, that, that's the more important part of the job, really, realistically speaking. But uh, tongue firmly in cheek, Jared, folks. But um, but no, I, I kind of agree with you on that because or not, for me... Not tongue in cheek uh, jokes in the case of Yana Daniels before taking on Chelsea with Bristol City, scooping up 100 kilos of elephant poo because she works at a zoo. As you yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. And the look on Bert Bot's face there goes, yeah, I... I Dream job. That, like that that is like my dream life. <laughs> <laughs> Professional like football. You know, yeah. cl- hanging out with elephants by day, playing football at night. That is literally <laughs> my dream life. Right there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I'd up and say goodbye to Nordy in the morning if that was on offer for me. In fact, actually <laughs> she fits even more into your uh, you know, um niche. Because apparently for over a year and a half, she walked around without an LCL in one of her knees. Oh my God, we're soul sisters. <laughs> so yeah, no, she yeah worked at a zoo and drove a bus to fund a biotechnology degree, all while walking around without an LCL for a year and a half. Oh, fuck. Mm. And she did have three of them. She did do it three times. She did the three. No. She is a firm... Oh, yeah. She, like you, is a firm member of the Smashed Knees Club. It's a very uh, yeah. big club at this rate, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure why you get so many SKC. members. Mm, Smashed Knees Club. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a hell of a football club to form, wouldn't it? Just like, uh, yeah, no, we, we, we have to... We would have a serious no squad, though. We'd have, like, Megan Rapinoe, Rihanna Jarrett... Um, Dan Carter, we've got like newest it. Dan Carter. Oh my God, we're very forward heavy. To be fair, Chloe Kelly. Um, I suppose I'd be keeper or defender <laughs> or you'll fit in there somewhere. Six, eight, <laughs> ten, whatever you know. No, it, uh, I, I loved it because I was reading the uh, the the athletic uh, article on it, and she's got the best anecdote about it because, of course, after doing her LCL, like opponent late tackle wiped her knee out. Of course. She played on yeah. for a full 10 minutes. <laughs> but every time I kicked the ball, my leg went backwards instead of the ball going further. <laughs> <laughs> it was just loose. I walked over the pitch, looked at my trainer, went, it's gone again. 
Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, that's the, the one. One more thing, just on the benefits of women's football, is that there isn't really the media filter that you know it's constantly like everything's vetted before it goes to the stream. And mm. um, in the post-match live interview with Emma Hayes, she was like, "I'm not gonna give you any platitudes. I'm fucking delighted we've got here." <laughs> and then. Um, so she finishes off like her spiel about how proud she is of the team and how proud she is of herself for getting the team here and all the hours she's put in. Um, the interviewer is like, oh, we, of course, p- apologize for the language um, by Emma Hayes, but we, of course, understand your um, emotion at this time. And she goes, oh, shit, did I curse? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, uh, it's just brilliant. Like, I can't... I can't um, it kind of it kind of kind of reminds me a wee bit of like any NFL and NHL um, post match uh, conferences because um, they're nakedly on uh, like unfiltered like the fines for not for going over crossing lines aren't really that and a lot of people quite like it and I remember a couple of like NHL players like after getting like heavy body checks like in the post match interview going yeah yeah well uh, we had a tough game there. And I'd just like to say what a piece of shit I think Dushacek is. And uh, I think the guy needs to get a life. Yeah. You know, I'm talking now are like NFL players having mouthed off so long, just going to like the post-match press conferences and going, I'm only here so I don't get fined. I'm not answering any questions. <laughs> they won't let me say what I want. And then every single time just going, I'm only here because they won't go for it. <laughs> that was literally, it was like the Miliband loop to every single question. It's like, yeah. oh, dear. It's like, that's a brilliant um, But I, yeah, I like but that. I, and also the bands between the players as well on a, mm. on the, in the women's game. Oh, yeah, like so uh, Katie better. McCabe is um, very much an antagonist. She is the player that t- other teams hate. But obviously, because she's on our team, we love her. But like, uh, her and uh, like Erin Cuthbert for Chelsea have this ongoing like I think they're on like round seventeen, uh, where they just take each other out off the ball and like you know Katie's gone as far as pushing Erin Cuthbert off the pitch and over the boards, at uh, the advertising boards. Whereas Erin Cuthbert then comes in and completely body checks Katie McKay while she's not looking and just makes her fall over embarrassingly. Um, so it's um. And uh, yeah, it, I think it's just brilliant. And you kind of get these kind of characters uh, that everyone kind of loves to hate and hates to love. And uh, yeah, um, really looking forward to the Champions League final. Really looking forward to the relegation battle. Um, I h- hope Birmingham City don't get fined three points for fielding an ineligible player by accident. They got they got one. one point, was it? Yeah, Birmingham City deducted one point. Um, when does a player... It was uh, Rusha Littlejohn. Um, no, no, no. So I'd say, oh, yeah, they are actually applying it this season. I thought they would wait oh, maybe next season. But yeah, no. Um, one point. Just as they, yeah, one point deduction basically meant they gained no points from their draw against Reading. Right, okay. So they're now level with Villa on 14, two above Bristol. So it's literally like they thought they were safe. They were celebrating their safety. And. And they fielded, an, like, Rusha Littlejohn had gotten a one-game ban. They sat her out of the FA Cup uh, match against Coventry, thinking that was applicable oh. to her ban. 
um, and it wasn't. Oh, <laughs> so it's uh, a league suspension. <laughs> um, like, like a lot of a lot of bad things that have, a lot of the bad things that have happened to Birmingham haven't really been a lot of their fault. No, and, it's been the board and the admin yeah. though. Yeah, oh no, it has been like nearly getting dissolved for not filing a paperwork that's costing costs a whole whopping thirteen pounds. <laughs> that's a lot nowadays, to be fair, lads. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, like I, I actually kind of follow Birmingham because it's been like, oh my god, like the dumpster fire is still going. What? It yeah. does what now? There's a raccoon there. What? You know, like it's quite a few to follow actually in that in in that realm. Like Birmingham is a good one. Derby's a good one. They could get relegated next week, which is mm-hmm. like tomorrow actually. Shit, because like they're and Wayne Rooney is their manager. It's like oh, they could go <gasps> Sheffield Wednesday. That's a good basket case if you want to follow that one. Um. Uh, Forest Green Rovers, they're always weird vegans. You know, they're probably... Oh, yeah, I, 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 I like them. I like them. Oh, so, Salford City is a good basket. Weird vegans. Yeah. <laughs> no, Salford's a good basket. They're all, like, hypocrites. It's great. There's also really good heartwarming stories as well. Like, the rebuild that's going on at Fulham is definitely one to keep your eye on. Mm. Coventry is a lovely one as well. They, they're, yeah. they're back in their own their old stadium, and they've got, like, a deed to, buy, to build a new one. It's like, oh, good, good old Coventry. That's a nice one. You know, there's there's some wholesome stories, but like, um, but yeah, uh, actually, before what we finish up on this Burke Ball with the uh, WSL start kick finishing up uh, this weekend, I believe. Um, yeah. Do you do you see um any upsets? Do you think Chelsea have got it? Because I know they're I facing. Chelsea, they're ready. They're facing Reading. Um, and Man City are playing where they need to win by three goals or more, and they've now just lost Chloe Kelly out to an ACL injury. So. Um, I, I can't see Chelsea slipping up. What I am looking forward to more so than the top battle because they can go fuck themselves. Uh, we're safely into third um, unless Man United happen to win by a margin of over 26 goals. Um, so I think we're we're pretty nailed on for third. I'm not but, crossing, you know, I don't, I'm not I don't, my toes. Like. I, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not counting those chickens just yet. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, down at the bottom, uh, it is, it's got to be exciting. We've got Bristol. Um, they are playing against Man United, aren't they actually in the final yeah, game? Are, actually, yeah. oh shit, that could be a goal difference of 26, to be fair. Oh, man, they've got Matt, they've got Matt Beard in charge now. Like, they, can, they have a defence now, apparently. Uh, they've got Sophie Bagley in goal, who, yeah. despite having, like, what's the opposite of a golden glove? Um like she has just uh, the, but, uh, butter. the butter fingers. Butter the butter fingers. Finger. Yeah, there you go. That's cool. Um, she, no, like unfairly given that title because she's an absolutely unbelievable shot stopper. It's just she gets so many of them. Like there's just so many shots against her. It's just impossible. Um, uh, Aston Villa have just been like Bristol have basically lost games really, 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 really loads. Mm. As in, uh, when they lose, they lose quite heavily. Yeah. Um, but they, they might play very well in that game, but end up shipping four goals. They might play really well, but because they're on the offense, then they get caught on the break okay. and they end up shipping seven goals or 11-1. Or, uh, <laughs> um, but then you have the likes of uh, Aston Villa, who... They just annoyed me. Everything they did this year really annoyed me. They, halfway through the league, brought in a manager um, and kept their current manager. 
Uh, they have brought in Marcus Bignut in to be an advisor to the manager, but actually the, advi- to the actual manager and the manager took an advisory role. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just weird in itself. They brought in um, a few players in the January market, which just made no sense. Um, it was just like they needed to shore up their defense and then they brought an attacking player. Um, yeah, it was just, they, I would, wouldn't mind seeing Aston Villa go down and Bristol stay up, but it is like down to the wire. Yeah. Um, and it is going to be like, I'm going to have several screens open and several matches on and uh, yeah, following it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's an exciting... Like, yeah, it's kind of weird how a lot of those clubs have kind of dropped, dropped off in that Super League because obviously with the one spot, relegated spot there, like I know from my kind of like tangential like awareness of the championship, there's a lot of good teams in there, you know, like like Leicester wiped the floor with fucking everybody this season, and rightfully yeah. so because they 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 pumped in a lot of money into the team and they've 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 there's still a few holes here and there you can get at them, but ultimately they were like heads and shoulders above everyone in the championship, and like unlike the likes of United and Spurs that kind of like supplemented their like maiden seasons with like American team American players. Leicester is a homegrown unit. Like they've yeah. they scouted all those players and signed it themselves, you know, and they look like a serious outfit. Uh, another Someone's... dark horse. Another dark horse for you now would be West Ham. Looking at West Ham. Yes, well, their form has been abysmal, and they just had such a weird. Um, they just have a weird squad. Like I mentioned with Aston hmm. Villa, their their squad was good for Championship, but they didn't invest enough to improve it for the 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 first the you know uh, Super League. Yeah. Um, but uh, West Ham, they've had a few years in the Super League. They've had they had a fairly settled squad, and then they brought in players to improve it, and it ended up just completely unsettling the whole thing. And they're completely disjointed. And uh, they played um, just just to show you how disjointed they are. They played Mackenzie Arnold, Arnold their um, you know most expensive keeper signing, or you know like. A, money doesn't really come into it but they're kind of big star keeper signing during the year as a midfielder in the FA Cup um, because she uh, like what some sources were saying it was Twitter sources so it is pr- pretty much just rumours that she was unhappy that she'd been dropped as first choice keeper so they said oh sure okay tro- uh, off you go you get some game time you want out you go play midfield and it's like if that's what's going on there that's shambolic yeah Mm-hmm. I, you know, says me, who's a third choice keeper and also a six and eight and a ten. Number twenty-five. <laughs> the reason why I mentioned it is that West Ham have bought Metrica Sports and they're using a sports analytics the oh. first women's team to use its technology to analyze yeah. players. And this is what they're gonna use to process who they're gonna buy. Yes, um, and, and it's brilliant, that's right? That's working really well in, in the men's game. So it's actually yeah. going to be even doubly effective in the women's game when so you don't what a, have what a, money. What's, what's brilliant about it is that, like, the article on it has like a screenshot of the the dashboard. Oh, have a little one to attend to. Hang on. Carry on. But on that point that that Neil's talking about, the, like the data driven thing, it, it it works so well in that in that point because. Like a lot of the clubs in like the league, the football league are using that um, to their advantage, 
Um, I know this from like looking at the Barnsley team this year because as, as I mentioned, they're the, the best pressers in Europe. But the only reason they're doing it is because they know they want to play that type of way. And they have the hookup with the uh, Red Bull system in, uh, in Salzburg. Oh. Yeah. So what they're doing is they're essentially using their uh, model for, like, uh, for uh, recruitment and basically just going like, right, we are going to play this type of football and we are going to recruit exclusively players that work in that high output like system. So all their players are natural pressers and natural like uh, uh, attackers in that sense and always fitness ways. So in a way, and it is the future because because like Liverpool have been doing it for years and with a great success. You buy the players to your system, and Man City are doing the same thing. Chelsea will do the same thing with under Tuchel if they if you fucking sticks around long enough. But certainly in the women's game, it's a definitely like a a, a a kind of more obvious like thing to do. It just has to be done because once you because you don't have the the issues you would have in like the other the bigger transfer markets in the men's side. We have like agents and fees and all this bollocks. Yeah. You just have to fucking go, well, I want her, 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 and her, and I could sign all of them for £5,000. You know, and they're the players you, you're, you're cherry picking the players you want. And the scouting system is that good. You can go pick a team from, uh, you can pick a player from Spain, one from Sweden, two from the League of Ireland. It doesn't matter because it's all like being punched into the same system. It's all down to your scouts. So it's, it, it, is, a, it is a good system, as Neil yeah. was saying. And it's intriguing. The other team I was going to mention there as well, and it's kind of part of my my thought process about the, the league overall with the championship. It kind of annoys me that there's only like one promotion space there, but I think they might be putting in like a playoff system for, for next year or oh, the year after. Yeah, no, they, they are looking at expanding it because they are looking at, I'd say, I think in the next four years, the WSL is going to be expanded again to, to maybe 14 um Teams. You might get away with sixteen because um, there's a few clubs coming in now that are that are taking the shit seriously. Oh yeah, like the, you look at you know the, Leicester had one years of good investment. You've got the likes of Sheffield United who've been knocking at the door, but growing from the like ground roots up, and like they're yeah. one that I definitely want to see in the top division because just from a I don't know. They just seem to be doing things the right way. Point of view. Um, I'd like yeah. to see them. You've got um, the women's team at Fulham rebuilding. You've got oh, Charlton women actually, rebuilding. Yeah. Yeah, um, like well, Fulham, yeah. would, for for those listeners uh, out there who might know too much about their women's football history, Fulham women were one of the first women's team to gain any sort of traction, um, mm. and a lot of our. Um, I suppose our Invincibles squad and our hero, or the heroes I grew up supporting actually came through the Fulham system. So the likes of Rachel Yankee, who's one of my all-time heroes, um, she was actually playing for Fulham and she signed for Arsenal and then had this amazing career with them. But uh, yeah, no, uh, there's a lot of teams that I think um actually you um there's a an arsenal podcast called the arsenal vision podcast and they did a a look into the whole um european super league and the daniel eck kind of proposed a takeover and kind of looking at the financials and kind of analyzing the kind of um probabilities and what possibilities of what would happen if we do get taken over and what if we don't get taken over and it's quite, they do it's very analytical podcast in general yeah. um but the the guest speaker that they had and i cannot think of his name because it was quite an unusual name and i hadn't heard him before but i found it very interesting is that he doesn't see 
he sees a lot of people becoming so disenfranchised with football mm. that um, he has actually found it more enjoyable to cover the women's game. And obviously he, he is American and he has a lot, there's a lot of traction for women's soccer over there oh, uh, or soccer through the women's team over there. Um, and he basically is kind of predicting that um, with the fallout from the European Super League, there's going to be so many fans looking for something and if they're not too misogynistic then they might actually have their eye turned towards this league and that you know it can only mean the growth of the league and we could see the likes of a big american stars wanting to leave the nwsl to come play in england and to compete for the champions league um so yeah i think there's there it is um definitely it's 10 years of the fawsl has mm. seen exponential growth um, in terms of, I suppose, media attraction. Maybe not yeah, so. Attraction was the word I'd use there because, like, because even like, because um, again, we've we've come better at the sky quite a bit here. But to their credit, they are starting to cover women's football very well on the run up to their deal with their to their TV deal. And if they do play the cards right and they don't like um, alienate. As they're like, they, and, and in fairness, like they don't really care about alienating that part of the fan base because they want to be inclusive and they want because it's good for their PR and stuff like that, obviously. So they don't mind ruffling feathers in that regard. So, like, whenever like shit kicks off, like, I think, like, literally, people kicked off because, um, uh, oh, what's her, what is her name? Leanne Smith was on like Soccer Saturday replacing Paul Merson for like a week and people kicked off. I was like, have you seen Leanne Smith? She's more of a bloke than fucking Phil Thompson is. Like she, she'll, she talked. Uh, is this Leanne Sanderson or Sue Smith? Does he see? Does Leanne Smith? No, it's Sue Smith. Yeah, yeah. not Leanne. But she's Smith. the same. Leanne Sanderson's the same way though. Like, like both of them will will talk yeah. fucking football for hours, and you're thinking like at least they make actual good points. I one I'll finish off. I suppose this uh, the podcast on this little bright note. My dad is a massive supporter of women's football and has always been. Um, mm. he was the one who would find the weird channels on the dodgy box so that I could we could stream matches. And back in two thousand and seven, Arsenal were in the Champions League and we were watching on a dodgy. I think it was like German Eurosport or it might have yeah. even been like Swedish Eurosport. I don't know what it was, but we were getting some weird links that we used to watch. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if you remember hacking into the skybox and you could put in oh, yeah. a certain code and it would bring up a channel. Yeah. yeah. It could be any sort of channel. So myself, my, my dad was vetting the channels to see if they were, you know, safe for children and actually <laughs> what they said they were and sports channels. Um, but I remember um, we, we found um, that um, like we had this routine, weekly routine of trying to find women's football on spurious TV channels and um, then beat or Eurosport um, in, in the UK had Sue Smith as a pundit for um, yes. I think it was Arsenal match. And um, she, she obviously has this quite unusual hair. And my dad was like, oh, my God, like she actually is the definition of a pixie cut. Um, and it was he, just from that he was like oh like he kind of got drawn into like he obviously made a comment about her appearance and I was like dad and he's like no I like her hair I was just he's like oh I can't say anything about this anyway <laughs> he's become now a massive champion of Sue Smith whenever she's on TV he or like he, he's he's one of those like 
like old men on Facebook. It's like she it like follows her or Eurosport if there's any clip of her. And he's like, oh, love Sue Smith, love her hair. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and he's so he's genuinely so wholesome, wholesome about, about it. it. So, yeah, like he really likes it. Like, and um, when I, I I you know have cut my hair recently and donated my hair to charity, and. Uh, he, he was like, oh my God, you're going to get a Sue Smith haircut. Uh, and you know, like, it is actually, he is one of like, he thinks she's a great pundit as well. Like he just thinks she's a character. And like that, there's kind of that unfilteredness in women's football where she like, I think it was Doncaster Rovers. She was playing for Doncaster Rover Bells. And then a yeah. few uh, years later, or a year or two later, they actually folded completely as a club and Louise Quinn was left clubless. And there was this whole hullabaloo. And um she was doing quite a poignant piece and she was like, no, it's not fair. It's not fair on the players. And she got really animated and it was like, you know, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm being a bit unprofessional here or whatever, even though like she was just smiling the entire way through. But uh, yeah, no, she knows her stuff. And uh, yeah, my dad is just such a huge fan of her. And like, <laughs> he'd be just like, don't worry, Sue Smith, you're great. <laughs> Typing into Facebook. Live that long. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't mind the haters, Sue Smith. I'm a fan. Well, here's Love the thing. The but that's the, this is the great thing about the what the coverage is going to be for for Sky because like because they already have the likes of of, of Leanne and and uh, Sue doing punditry for them already and Sweeping Kirk like doing bits as well like so they have like yeah. and, and of course Alex Scott if they can pry her away from the American channels because they're desperately trying to get her as well yeah um, they have they have the hook up when it comes to all these like pretty decent pundits and again like you can take your pick then of any like pundits you have who are well versed in the women's game as well like you can have like, the likes of your Neil Redferns and Chris Kirklands because at least on the Liverpool side they know those clubs that they know women's football inside out from that aspect you've got Farrah Williams who's announced her retirement from football yeah, um, and she like even though she's going into the coaching element in terms of her after football career she makes a great pundit like she is so yeah. and she wears her heart on the sleeve I think there's a um a story of her doing punditry for the World Cup in 2019 yeah and she's absolutely lambasting the squad and Phil Neville um and like she's literally been told by the producers in her ear, like, please just, we know you're angry. Please calm it down. Please calm it down. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to play for England again? Maybe stop talking like this. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, um, the future is bright for women's football and the future is not so bright for Arsenal. And I think that is, uh, or, like Arsenal men. Um, I, think we can think I, think I think we take that as the moral of the story is that yeah. is football is dead. Football is dead. <laughs> <laughs> men's football is dead, boys. Yes, <laughs> ripping <laughs> ripping power, but um, but like yeah, but I, I think I think overall it's got, it it could be a very interesting um few years in that sense because like I said like if it is just a case of like the biggest like checkbook wins in the men's football, there's gonna be an appetite for actual competition, and if there is that in the WSL, at least if it's a level more level, level playing field, like I know from my point of view, I'll probably check out the League of Ireland more. I want to check out the Championship more because that like even look at the Championship this season has been really fucking interesting. Like that's intrigued me. Um, the, the League but, of Ireland has been really really good this season, and but, there's been lots of upsets and lots of um you know fantastic games of football. Bows are bottling yeah. it. Like I'm happy to say that in front, in front, when needles are here, but bows are fucking bottling it. Like they're total bottle bottle jobs. After bottle uh, jobs. And you know, St. Pat's needing a last minute corner header last week away 
uh, in Donegal. Um, yeah. like that is just desired. But no, it's really good league so far. And also, so is the WNL, where mm. all the matches are free to air on um, FAI.ie. Uh, or what? Not sponsored, uh, no, but um, no, there's been there was a really good match there during the week uh, with uh, DLR Waves, um, some cracking goals involved in that. So yeah, not, yeah, lots of women's football to promote, and um, yeah, um, it's kind of a to end on a positive after this podcast of a podcast. Indeed, you could you could say it's finally coming home for the women. <laughs> finally coming back to the kitchen. There you go. Well, I, well, I'm glad you said that, not me, to be honest, because I would have gotten in trouble. <laughs> if I speak, I am in trouble. Um, but yes, uh, guys, thank you very much for that, uh, for, for listening to uh, our latest uh, Liquid Football podcast. Uh, we will be doing another one uh, in the next fortnight for the big run-in in the Premier League, where everything's already going to be settled by the time we get to it. I really can't <laughs> wait. So the, the, the battle for fourth, ladies and gentlemen. Well, actually, no. No, actually, it will be the battle for second, because Le- Leicester have... <laughs> Again, good lads. Um, so yeah, they won. What? Newcastle won four two. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's gonna. Thought you said Leicester won. I was like, oh my god, what? No, but they win the they win the moral battle in the end. Yeah, they, okay. They, they probably won't. They'll they'll probably finish fifth. But um, but either way, like it'll it's gonna be an interesting running from that point of view because literally nothing else is happening in the Premier League uh, at that point. But uh, but Burkwa, thank you very much for your company tonight. Um, always a pleasure. No problem. I'm going off tonight. Yes, and uh, I presume Neil is also dealing with a nap-related issue uh, at present, but not his nap, obviously. Um, he's got other, uh, much smaller humans to deal with at the moment, so that's why he can't join us for this outro. But uh, if you have enjoyed uh, listening to our football ramblings, then you can listen to more of them uh, on our Spotify, at Money Madness LP. Uh, subscribe, give us a follow, and uh, you'll be uh, let know when the next one is out. We do these every fortnight anyway, every Friday night. Uh, so you will listen to us before you get into the moods for the weekend of football that is uh, and if you're enjoying our content generally you can uh, follow us at Monday Madness LP on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, to see all the wonderful content we do on a weekly basis but uh, until then guys uh, we'll see you next time on the Liquid Football Podcast or sorry Woo! Podcast sorry. Podcast Podcast <laughs>